This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Chad Hopkins, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Katie White. Katie, how are you doing tonight? I am well. Um, I've got some new cushy seat cushions for my office chair, so mm. I can podcast in comfort. How are you? <laughs> That's awesome. I'm doing well. It's, it's rainy again today, but I think it's supposed to clear up. So there's the weather update. And uh, I mean, I've been I've been enjoying the TV season recently because uh, both The Good Place and Superstore, which are made by office people, <laughs> are back and airing. And so been watching those a lot. I still haven't seen Superstore, but Good Place is especially good this season. Yes, it is so far. Uh, we're really enjoying it. And they both air on Thursdays. And so my roommate and I are both watching it on Fridays. Yeah. Uh, both of those episodes. So. There's our recommendation for the week. <laughs> Speaking of recommendations. <laughs> We've got some new Facebook podcasters. recommendations. Um, thanks to Bree and Sheila, uh, who both left us recommendations this week. Sheila, who also had left us an iTunes review in the past. Also got some Facebook ratings from Sarah and Ursula. So thank you both very much. Yes, thank you. And also, as far as ratings go, uh, there were a couple new iTunes reviews. I'm going to pronounce the one I can pronounce, <laughs> which is Snooty Nooty. Thank you, Snooty Nooty. And this one I'm going to spell because there is one vowel. D N S N F M Z M E M D, which I can only assume stands for something really cool. Maybe they're a doctor. He's one of our listeners. MD. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, it ends in an MD. That works for me. <laughs> so they left a review as well. So thank you to both of you for your very kind reviews. We appreciate it. I'm sorry. If if there's a way to pronounce that, like there's like a, a phonetic thing, then email us and let us know because I'm very curious. I'm just going to call you doctor. Thanks, doctor. And, and Snooty Nooty. You both have just spectacular names. <laughs> well, with that, let's get into this week's first episode. It is St. Patrick's Day. It aired on March 11th of 2010. I don't know. There's not a whole lot of TV shows I can think of that did uh, St. Patrick's episodes. But here's one. It was directed by Randall Einhorn, who is the show's long-running director of photography. Uh, yeah, director of photography. And it was written by Jonathan Hughes. It is St. Patrick's Day in Scranton, and Michael debates whether to impress Joe Bennett or to go to the St. Patrick's Day party. He quickly learns that Joe doesn't want Michael to try to impress her. Meanwhile, Daryl moves upstairs when he impresses Joe, and Dwight tries, once again, to get Jim to leave Dunder Mifflin forever. Maybe not forever, but he definitely tries to get him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In typical Michael fashion, or as we like to say, Michael being Michael, he takes a small offhand comment made by Joe about, you know, if you ever are in my neck of the woods, you got a place to stay. It's like a Southern thing to say. It's, it's courtesy. It's hospitality. If you're ever in my neck of the woods, sure, you can sleep on my couch or something. Michael interprets that as, hey, plan a trip and come stay with me as soon as possible. Like, we can sleep in the same room if you want. Like th that's the, the, the extent that Michael takes us to. And so he makes a complete fool of himself in front of his whole office. He, he's sucking up to Joe. He makes a scene about missing her when she leaves. Oh, we're going to miss you so much. And then he announces that not only has he booked a flight for July 4th weekend, he's also reserved seats on a bunch of different flights. Just like 
how desperate do you want to come across, Michael? Because right now it's coming across pretty darn desperate to to appear on the boss's good side. This reminds me a lot of his ideal relationship with Ryan. Best friends. Just, <laughs> they're just so close and they're just best friends. And then, of course, he slept with Jan. So he has mm-hmm. this theme of really wanting his bosses to like him, which, okay, I get it. You all want your bosses to like you. That's, you know, part of the gig. But um, you don't need to be best friends with your boss. And this is extended a bit in the deleted scenes, and we'll talk about that later. But Joe says niceties. She says things mm-hmm. to make people like her. And that's, that's nice. And if you know that about somebody, mm-hmm. like, oh, she'll, she's just overly nice, you don't take what they say super seriously. And mm-hmm. Joe is one of those people. He was just, yeah, come on over whenever. You don't do it, though. And Michael did it. He bought a ticket. And she is really not happy about that. In fact, she kind of yells at him. She snaps at him in the middle of the office. And he gets, he's a dog with his tail between his legs. I mean, he just (laughs) shrinks up immediately. He's really not not a fan of being snapped at publicly. He he does make amends with her at the end of the episode and we'll get to that. But the other big thing that happens with Michael in this episode is sort of the way he behaves towards Daryl. So, uh before Joe snaps at him, he Joe is asking for like a sort of round table. Like, what do you people have to say as far as suggestions go, ideas for the company, things you want me to know or questions you may have for me? Uh she just wants to hear from quote the common people rather than big wigs in corporate offices. And so as she's asking for these opinions and ideas, Michael is taking it upon himself to explain to her who each of these people is, as if she has not been around for an extended period of time at this point, getting to know everybody. So when Oscar speaks up, Oscar is to Michael and to Joe now, the homosexual accountant. And then Daryl speaks up and he is the mellow, soulful, and he is smart for warehouse. (laughs) Like, Michael has to stick that caveat on, caveat on. like, he's one of those people downstairs, but he, among them, he ranks pretty high, which is just, it's so insulting. He's seen how capable Daryl is in the past. He has seen Daryl working hard in the past. And the worst part about it is that Michael sees this smart for warehouse as a compliment And then when Daryl steps forward with his idea, which is a really great idea about shipping efficiency and saving money and being effective, uh, he says, oh, man, we're we're so proud of you, Daryl. We're going to stick that on the fridge right over here. Isn't that cool? Like, we're going to put it to where everybody can see it. So it's not the, the initiative that he's proud of. It's not for coming up with a good idea that he's proud of. It's that, oh, you made a drawing. Isn't that nice? Let's put it on the fridge. I'm proud of you. And it's just so demeaning that Michael thinks of somebody like Daryl in this way just because he works in a different place and has different duties. And then we see when Daryl is rewarded, he gets an office upstairs. Joe is so impressed with his initiative and his, not only that, but his good idea. It was something that's going to save the company time and money. He gets an office upstairs in, in Jim's old office. And then Michael goes and asks him, Okay, well, how did you do it? You were there, Michael. You saw I impressed her um, with my smart ideas for Warehouse. You know, it's just (laughs) he did a good thing, a smart thing, and he got rewarded for it. And Michael can't understand how one 
plus two equals three. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> and he even goes so far as to insultingly suggest that did, did Joe's family maybe own slaves at one point? And your family was part of that? Like, does she owe your family something because of something that happened in the past? That is so, I, I mean, I can't even think of another word besides it's insulting that Daryl, no, there's no way you could have just had a good idea that merited this promotion is basically what it amounts to. It's something external that you had no control over had to have been acting upon you in order to give you this. And it, it's just, it's sad to see Michael still treating Daryl this way. I think back to like season one or season two. Uh, what was it? Remember the carpet when mm-hmm. Roy and Daryl are upstairs cleaning out the carpet in his office and he's trying to have a sales competition in the 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 main office area. And he puts like the $20 bill that he's wagering up on the picture frame or whatever. And he's like, oh, wait, these warehouse guys are up here and one of them is black. So, yeah, maybe not a good place to keep my money. It's like stuff he's been doing since season two, and he he clearly hasn't. I mean, he's improved in some ways. Yes, I gotta give him credit where credits due, but this is something he's still very behind in. And then moving back to Joe for a little bit, Joe and Michael. Okay, so he bought the ticket. He told Joe about the ticket. She snapped at him in front of the office. He's mortified, but he still doesn't stop trying. In fact, at five p.m., it's leaving time. It's quitting time. He goes into the conference room where Joe has kind of made her office um and he goes Mm -hmm. in and he says hey if you want to chat like we were doing earlier the workday's over let's you know shoot the wind and she says well you know i'm still on working time but if like if you can put your name on today and you can say that you're proud of what you've done today you can go home and in an effort to impress joe he and the entire office have to now stay until joe leaves is his idea we're gonna leave when she leaves they don't have any other work to do, so they're just sitting there, <laughs> faking it, all in an effort to look good in Joe's eyes. It's like, it's just once again him misinterpreting what she's saying. She's not threatening him, but he definitely seems to perceive it as a threat. It's as if she's saying, I know you didn't do anything today, so if you leave now, you're going to regret it. Like, that's not at all what she's saying. I, I don't personally sense any sort of malicious undertones in what Joe is saying to Michael there at 5 p.m. when it's time to, on the clock at least, leave. Um, and still, Michael interprets that way. Uh, he doesn't hold himself only accountable. He decides, no, we're all going to be accountable. We're all going to stay here just because Joe is still working. And it's, again, you, you mentioned it. They don't have anything to do. They're just waiting around. It's not like they're accomplishing any more work. And it's pretty clear if Joe just stepped outside that they're not doing anything. Um, But to his credit, eventually at 8.30 PM, he gathers the courage to uh, approach Joe and he says, you know, I'm proud of my employees, both the quality of their work and the quantity of their work. It is a holiday. It is a a national ethnic holiday. I think he says, (laughs) yeah, those, those Irish people, super duper ethnic in the way Michael thinks of it. Uh, and he's going to dismiss them. And then he sort of kind of apologizes for being so in her face, all up in her space earlier, says, I I canceled my trip to Tallahassee, uh, but I am looking forward to our professional relationship. And as he's leaving, he's, he's at his final say, uh, he says, she, she interrupts and says, Michael, he turns around. 
I'm looking forward to that too. And it seems that all is well. All that Michael had to do was be a person and communicate with this woman and everything was fine. And so I'm glad that he eventually saw a time when he could stand up for his employees and say, yes, they worked hard today. Maybe I didn't, but they did. And I'm proud of that. And I'm going to let them go home. What spurred on his revelation though, to, uh, to talk to Joe is that um, he talked to Gabe and Michael asked Gabe, I mean, how long are we going to be here? Gabe said, I don't really know. Sometimes we're here all night and sometimes she doesn't show up for three days. And Michael said, aren't you sick of that basically? And he said, yeah, I mean, it'd be great if she could nail down a schedule for me so I could get a girlfriend and have a life. Um, but until then, this is my life. And, um, then we get a talking head with Michael, which is really funny, sad. It's, (laughs) he says, do I really want to turn out like Gabe 26 single tied to my desk? No life, no family. I want to have been married by the time I would have turned 30. That's just depressing. (laughs) So he's just like Gabe, except he's old. (laughs) Yeah, basically. He's he's wasting more of his life as a single man. Right. He's, you know, he's not old, but he's in his his mid to late 40s. So he has everything Gabe has except for the youth, which is a positive thing. And he's just pitying Gabe for his sad life. Uh, no family, no, no, you know, girlfriend or anything. Mm-hmm. Looking in a mirror there, Michael, because you're tied to your desk too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what really he, he doesn't want to become Gabe. Although I do right. have to disagree with you a little bit about what you said. I don't think it's malicious what Joe's doing, but I don't think she's necessarily okay with them leaving. I think she really wants them to stay. And we see the warehouse guys come up and try to bail Daryl out, as they say. And when she sees them in there and Daryl stands up, she kind of peers over like, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's just how I interpreted it. But I really think she wants to see how long they'll stick it out. Yeah. So you think it was sort of a test? Like, let's see if you stick it out with the boss kind of thing? Kind of. I, either a test or like, I fully expect you to stay here. I mean, she's not going to verbalize that, but like, mm-hmm. I'm still here. So you're still here. Do you think she wasn't happy with the level of work completed at the office? That I don't know. I don't know if she, I think she probably take, takes Michael's word for it. Because at the end when he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy with the amount of work that they got done today. She says, okay, good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's kind of flippant sarcasm or if she really is like, okay, I take your word for it. I think she just wants to make sure that, I don't know, that the boss releases them, not the clock. It's sort of like school. You're a right. teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have uttered those words. <laughs> right. <laughs> I release you not the bell, basically. Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I can definitely see some of that. Now, I, I do like that his employees acknowledge that Michael sort of stood up for them and said, yeah, let, let these people enjoy their holiday. Because when they get to the bar and Michael's there at the bar and Todd Packer's at the bar, hooray. Uh, uh, Michael says, Hey, drinks on me. And he pulls out a couple of credit cards because it was just, one's not going to cover it apparently. <laughs> and Oscar of all people, which I think is really special that Oscar is the one who sit, uh, stands up and says, no, no drinks are on us. Put your cards away. And it, it's just a nice moment that here they are. They just stayed at work together until eight 30, but now they're spending time together at the bar because they have meaningful relationships with each other, whether they want to admit it or not. And you know that 
little Michael Scott is going to go to bed just dreaming of this forever. Him <laughs> at a bar with his colleagues on St. Patty's Day, drinking green stuff. Like, he's just, that's <laughs> all he's ever wanted. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, other stuff that happens in this episode... Uh, Jim is back from maternity leave with Pam. Um, Pam is still at home with the baby, though. And he finds his desk to be a part of something bigger, uh, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is Dwight's mega desk. He has taken his desk and then Jim and Pam's desk and formed uh, this, like, on... I don't even know how to describe the shape, but it's like one in front of him and one to each side. Okay, and one is for... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one is for surveillance, he says. One is for gaming. And then one is for business. And he's like doing all three at the same time, just sort of swiveling his chair back and forth. And apparently he's gotten addicted to this in Jim and Pam's absence. And of course, it can't last now that Jim is back. He needs his desk back. And Jim just sort of, nope, this is over and starts pulling the desk away. And it's it's a silly Dwight storyline, but I don't mind this one. He decides... Well, I want Mega Desk back. All I care about is Mega Desk, and so I'm going to do everything in my power to convince Jim to go home so that I can have Mega Desk. It's not super diabolical, which is why I think you don't mind this one. Um, <laughs> he just wants his desk back. It's kind of cute. It's kind of funny. But his method to get Jim back home is parental, fatherly shame. For not being home. It's like, wow, um, your your baby, I mean, this this must be amazing. Like your baby is learning what up is, what down is, who mom and dad are. And we actually get a little bit of info about Dwight. Um, little fun fact. He says, I'll tell you what happened to me. I didn't see my father for the first two years of my life. I thought my mother was my father and my wet nurse was my mother. Turned out fine for me, but Moe's, same story, different ending. So that could explain a lot about who Dwight is and, and why he And who is. Moses. <laughs> and who Moses. Yeah, and I think so. that's what really affects Jim is that he's like, oh, I've met Mose. I know how that guy turned out. Maybe Dwight's got a point here. Um, although I, I am curious, you know, Dwight also plays Cats in the Cradle by Harry Chapin, which is a song about the, the little boy growing up with his dad away on business. And then when the dad grows up and wants to spend time with the son, the son has now grown up to be just like his dad, aloof and focused on work rather than on family. So Dwight is guilting Jim into uh, trying to go back home and thinking about the effect that his absence is having on his daughter. And I, I just have to wonder, do you think it's the, the baby stuff? Like, do you think Jim actually feels guilty about not being at home? Or do you think it's just like, man, I can't believe I have to be around Dwight again. I got so used to not having to see Dwight every single day. I just want to be rid of him again. Which do you think is it more of? I think it's more like he's making him miss like mm -hmm. maternity leave and, and family leave. It's like, oh, I, I could be at home. With Pam and Cece, and he he calls Pam. Um, oh, I guess that's the next episode, but that doesn't really spoil anything. Um, he calls Pam and says, "What are you up to?" And she says, "Nothing but diapers and vomit here." And he says, "Oh, I'm so jealous." Mm -hmm. Like, and that's kind of where he is in this episode, even though we're a little early on that. But he he has to sit next to Dwight when he could be, you know, with his brand new little girl. So 
I think it's more just like, it, I don't think it's guilt as much as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish I was with like, my family. Just wishing I was home. Yeah. Yeah. He, he says, I'm not surprised that Dwight's using my baby to steal my desk. <laughs> I'm a little surprised that it's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's basically the culmination of that. It ends, the whole episode ends with Jim now having assumed his own ultra desk. It is not mega desk. It is quad desk, which Dwight argues doesn't make sense because there's only three desks. And Jim says, well, we'll have to rename it. But we'll talk about that more in funny moments, I'm sure. There's also a third plot line here uh, with Andy and Aaron. Aaron is sick. Um, so today is supposed to be their date. They're supposed to have their first big date that's been highly anticipated, uh, today. But Aaron has caught quite a cold and Joe insists heartily that she go home. She's pretty reluctant to do it. Andy isn't super sure that Aaron will like her or like him in, in a week. So he's like, I gotta do it now. So he fakes sick and he goes home. He goes to her house and brings her Gatorade and wants to hang out. So we go into Aaron's house and we learn that she lives with her brother. However, this is a foster brother, which Andy is not super comfortable uh, that they have no <laughs> parents in common. And he's a relatively good looking guy, young, and they seem very comfortable together. And so he asks foster siblings, how does that work? How many parents do you have in common? <laughs> oh, none. We were together for, you know, eight to 12 and 14 to 18 or something like that. Something like, like oh. that, yeah. Formative years. <laughs> He's not super comfortable with this. And Reed, the brother, doesn't seem to like Andy very much either. We also learn something about Aaron that she um, doesn't get sick for very long, but when she does, it's big. She says, I'm a little sick, but I wouldn't want to miss my first date with Andy. I'll get better. Whenever I'm sick, it always goes away within a few hours, except for once when I was in the hospital from ages three to six. <laughs> so. That's a little tidbit. We've, we've learned a lot about people's childhood, childhoods in this episode. Mm-hmm. I love the Aaron and Andy relationship now that it's like on its legs and yeah. actually a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's so sweet to see how bummed Andy is that Aaron has to go home and is, she's still going to like me in a week, right? Like, maybe, <laughs> I hope, please. And the fact that he fakes his own sickness, he risks his own health to go spend time with her. Um, she kisses him on the cheek at the end of the night uh, as they sort of stand there awkwardly in the doorway. And he says, well, great. Now I'm going to get sick. Just teasingly. And they, they have a nice little laugh together. And it, it, it's, it's sweet. And I'm, I'm glad that it's finally like a thing that's happening and not, well, it's her turn. Yeah. And she's saying, well, it's his turn. Ugh. Like, <laughs> no, it is. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he wants to kiss her, like, properly kiss, but um, Reed walks in the background and kind of watches him, and he doesn't feel comfortable kissing her then. Um, and so she leans in and kisses him on the cheek, and I just love his face at that moment. He looks almost like in, he's in pain. He's just like, ah, I just like her so much, I just want to kiss her, and he can't. And it's just really, it's just so wholesome. It's just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> They're a really sweet couple. I like them. The only other character stuff I had, just a small thing, uh, Gabe has set up his stuff in Jim's old office. And when Joe speaks up for Daryl and says, hey, you can have Jim's old office, Gabe says, oh, well, my stuff's in there. And she just sort of glares at him. He's like, 
And so I'll just go get that out of there real quick. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. we mentioned it at his very first appearance, too, where he seemed to not quite be able to stand up for himself. And we're definitely seeing that he's pretty intimidated by Joe specifically. And as you mentioned, he's sort of at the whim of Joe's schedule, something kind of gross. He says, you know, I don't have a girlfriend, and that's why I go to Amsterdam seven times a year. And I'm pretty sure the insinuation there is prostitutes, but hmm. I'm not positive, but I think. I didn't even remotely go there. I think that's the joke. And it, and it may have just been like his version of a sick joke. I don't know, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious to know what the listeners think. What's yeah. that joke? Because I didn't get the joke, but if that's the joke, that's shocking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some funny moments. <laughs> so we get um, a cold open that's basically just a bunch of funny quotes about St. Patty's Day. Um, we get Michael. First thing, he says, hello, hello, top of the morning to you. Green M&M's, nature's Viagra. And he pours um, a, as Office Quote says, a Kevin-esque scoop of M&M's into so his funny. coat's pocket. Yeah. Um, very well done, Office Quotes, uh, our number one website. He says, two of my favorite joke areas combined, it'll be a good day. And now I looked this up because, again, I didn't get this joke either. There was a time, around 2010, I assume, Probably earlier, actually, given Michael's track record of, of when jokes are relevant. Mm -hmm. That people used to think that the green M&Ms, that the dye made you <clears throat> randier than usual. And hmm. that that is where that joke came from. So St. Patty's Day, green M&Ms, that's Michael's ideal joke <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> we also get... Um, Meredith and her feelings on St. Patty's Day, um, <laughs> how it's a perfect day, just one perfect day a year, no hassles, no problems, no kids. Ryan and Kelly say, where are your kids? She says, not today. <laughs> just like, I'm not even worrying about it. No. Wherever they are is where they are, and that's they'll, all that matters. <laughs> he'll be fine. And just finishing up the talking head, of course, the great Michael Scott quote, it is St. Patrick's Day, and here in Scranton, that is a huge deal. It is the closest that the Irish will ever get to Christmas. Aside from, you know, Christmas. Except for Christmas, the big <laughs> Irish Catholic thing that happens yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> They don't get Christmas. That's Catholic. Uh, there, there is also the small argument between Kelly and Ryan. Kelly's complaining about Ryan wanting to spend St. Patrick's Day with her friends. She says, why can't we just be together just like you and me? And he says, we, people go out in groups on St. Patrick's Day. It's what they do. And she says, well, why can't we go out with your friends? Why can't you invite your friends? And I, I think it's pretty clear that Ryan has more than a passing interest in some of Kelly's lady friends. So other things outside of the cold open, uh, Michael, starting, of the, starting the episode, literally gifts Joe a lump of coal on her last day of Scranton. <laughs> he says, no, no, that is a good gift, actually. Buildings here in Scranton <laughs> are literally powered by coal. Who'd have thought? If you have to clarify that a gift is a good gift, it's probably not a good gift. Especially no, no, when no. you're spreading false information. <laughs> yeah, that as well. It's a good gift. No, here's why. It's like explaining a joke. It's not. It's no <laughs> longer <true>. good. <laughs> Angela asks Aaron if she's sick. Aaron's sneezing at her desk. Aaron says, oh, no, I'm fine. I just have a little indigestion. That's not what yeah. that is. 
And then mm. I love that Angela then puts on a personalized, fitted, and monogrammed face mask with her <laughs> name on it. It's fitted to her little face. It's just the exact thing that Angela would have. Yeah, if that isn't ind- indicative of the kind of person she is, I don't know what is. It's just very typical. It's peak Angela. <laughs> Dwight tries to leave the office for a sales meeting he's got scheduled at the end of the day. Uh, but right as he's about to ask Joe, Jim calls Joe from his desk and says, I've got a sales meeting with a client at 730. We seriously never, ever, ever schedule these after five. But is it OK? Justice wants to go. She okays it. He says, oh, by the way, just so you know, we never do this. Seriously. And he hangs up, gets his stuff together, heads out. Dwight is left just awkwardly standing there. Thanks to Jim. Says, yeah, I've got one of those meetings too. Like, I actually have one, but I guess I'll just reschedule it for next week. (laughs) She goes, thanks. Yeah, just thank you. (laughs) Do you think Dwight actually had one? He said he was going to like Patrick O'Shanelly's or some Irish bar name. Do you think he had a... A meeting? Mm, I think probably. Mm. I don't know. I, I think he did. Yeah. I don't think he would lie about it. Yeah. But it's a suspicious place for a meeting on St. Yeah. Patty's Day. Yeah, he's honestly on Joe's good side, so I don't think he'd try and risk that by lying. But yeah. I don't know. I wanted to point out the ridiculous name of Sabre's Minority Executive Training Program, Print in All Colors. That is the worst. I hate that. It's so bad. Oh my gosh. I hate that. Let's see. In nope, I already mentioned Megadesk. Oh, I did want to say this one thing about Megadesk. There's this moment uh, in the episode. So at the very beginning, Jim tears it apart so he can have his desk, right? And then later in the episode, Jim comes back from somewhere in the back of the office, the annex or the bathroom or something, and Dwight has reassembled it. So either Jim was gone for a really long time. Or Dwight is just like highly efficient at moving around desks and his decorations on the desks. I don't know. But it's just like, wow, you reassembled Megadesk really quickly. <laughs> Maybe it's lunch. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Joe sends Andy home because he's, <clears throat> quote unquote, sick. He's not. She says, you'll probably feel better once you get some pants on. <laughs> I, I thought that was killed. so funny. <laughs> and I just like that. And beyond it being a kilt, he specified earlier the episode to Aaron, oh, it's just my sister's old field hockey skirt. (laughs) (laughs) It is, in fact, a skirt, not a kilt. Yeah. As Aaron's um, brother, Reed, points out, nice skirt. He says, that's a kilt. Actually, I think he's right. I think it's a skirt. Yeah. Yeah, You you specified yourself earlier in the episode. Uh, But speaking of Andy, he does make a pretty clever joke in the beginning when he first approaches Aaron. He says, Aaron, go Brock. Which is an act, it's an English anglicization of the Irish phrase, Iron Go Brach. I, I looked this up, which is used to express allegiance to Ireland and is usually translated as Ireland forever. So, pretty clever wordplay because he's talking to a person named Aaron, Aaron Go Brach. But then Aaron responds with, Andy Go Brach to you, not understanding the reference, I'd assume. Uh, and at, right after that, Andy does his whole awkward stand with legs way apart so that my head is level with the top of the reception desk pose, which he, he does all too often. And it's even more awkward in like knee length socks and a skirt. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I love this talking head with Kevin. He's really peeved that Joe is making them stay late. He says, just because Joe has a life does not mean that the rest of us don't have lives. <laughs> Oscar has a life. 
I think Ryan has a life. <laughs> and that's it. He doesn't list himself. He doesn't list anybody else. <laughs> Just Oscar and Ryan. <laughs> I love that Andy uh, has this this talking head about his first date. He says, Aaron and I have our first date tonight. It has to be perfect. Why? Because according to How I Met Your Mother, that's the date that your kids are going to wait patiently to hear about, and you better have a good story for them. Well, Andy, I hate to break it to you, but you need to watch the rest of How I Met Your Mother because it's not about that at all. Nope. <laughs> Any more? Yeah, a couple. Um, when Joe tells Michael that he should be able to put his name on the day and be proud of his work, she then says, anything else I can help you with? And he's just so bummed and confused. He goes, no, 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 that's super clearish. <laughs> just always made me laugh. That's super clearish. Daryl, as I mentioned, was uh, trying to be escorted out by the warehouse guys. They were trying to help him out. And um, they made fun of him for having his shirt tucked in because he's trying to fit in with the upstairs crew. I thought that was really cute. Um, mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, I must have done that when I went to the bathroom. <laughs> no, you're trying to fit in in yeah. your warehouse uniform. And then I think my last one, which is really silly, um, but I just really thought it was a nice touch, was because the office was there late, the cleaning crew came in. Oh, yeah, this is great. Like, thinking that no one was there, because it's 8.30. And there's just these, it's only three guys, only one of them has a line, and he just says, sorry, sorry. But it's just the most, like, well-crafted character development of these three characters. (laughs) They're these super Russian guys, and they're playing this Russian music. I looked it up by a band called Arcana. Um, Nailed it, wow. Research, I'm pulling a chat. Um... (laughs) And I just love how much personality they put into this, like, absolutely nothing role of these three Russian cleaning crew guys. It's just the best. Yeah. And apparently they changed cleaning crew because uh, it used to be yeah. uh, the, the group of Mexican women. Mm-hmm. Hispanic During, women. Um, Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Going on to deleted scenes. Uh, the first one we see is Oscar is showing off his green tie to Kevin in his all green getup. Kevin says, you're not Irish. What would you do if I wore a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo? And Oscar says, I think that would be wonderful. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> Wear a sombrero. But of course, Angela's opposed to seeing Kevin in a sombrero. <laughs> um, Michael discusses with Oscar his ticket purchase to Tallahassee. This is what I was referencing earlier regarding um, Joe being awfully nice. So he booked early to make sure he got the middle seat which is the worst kind of person, the worst kind of person. He wants to talk to (laughs) twice as many people. Uh, No one wants to talk on airplanes. No one wants to talk on airplanes. Oscar suggested that perhaps Joe is just being nice. Maybe Michael shouldn't take everything she says seriously. Um, So then of course on cue, Joe comes out, sees the two of them talking and says, well, well, if it isn't the two most handsome men, this side of the Mississippi, Michael says, that's not exaggerating. I think that's right. (laughs) Yeah. She's not just being nice. So he calls her back and he asks her to lunch. She declines, but compliments him. I don't know how you two stay or how, how y'all stay so skinny, she says. And Michael is just taken with her. He giggles and he's just like, oh, she's, <laughs> she's like just giddy. so nice. He's yeah. just everything. She's just so cool. <laughs> and Oscar, Oscar just, just sort of like, rolls oh. his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Andy, preparing for his date that evening, this is before Aaron goes home sick, <laughs> he, he calls the restaurant where they have reservations and he says, uh, this is a date. Just so you know. And so we need to be put in your ugliest waiters section. And I mean, I'm about a five. So Andy doesn't think all that great of himself. Um, 
but he says, I'm a five. So the waiter needs to be about a three or a four. He says, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Just do it. <laughs> and then that's it. Oh, yikes. Michael tries to enter Joe's office while Gabe is leaving her office. Gabe strongly encourages Michael to go back to his office and to work. That's the sense that he got from Joe. Michael says, well, if that's all the same to you, I'd like to get my own sense. I'm very sensual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As he says. (laughs) Gabe says, I've known Joe for a long time. You'd be wise not to disturb her right now. Um, He's really trying to do Michael a solid, but he's not having it. No, my favorite part, though, comes shortly after that. Michael says, you know, we, we hit it off. We had a very nice report. Report. Not rapport. Report. Maybe <laughs> and, they did, Chad. Maybe they talked about a report and it went well. <laughs> a report, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> we had a nice that's report. What I'm sure Michael uses all of his words exactly how he intends them. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last one. Michael has a talking head about how he was the equipment manager for the basketball team when he was in high school. And the last game, their senior year, they put him in for the last play. But at the same time, the other team put in a popular autistic kid for the last play. And so Michael stole the ball from this kid and tried to score. But the autistic kid came up behind him and stole the ball from him. And then, as Michael puts it, he swished a three-pointer. But Michael says, you know, I wasn't remembered as the guy who helped that autistic kid have the, the moment of his life. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> That's just, no. <laughs> you, you stole lost it the from him, game. <laughs> and then you, yeah, exactly. Oh, yep. Well, you've got our discussion topic for this episode, I believe. I do. Simple question. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, Joe has that talking head about how it's her last day in Scranton, and she's really going to miss these people. Uh, she says some of the loveliest people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. My question is: Do we really think Joe is as fond of the Scranton branch as she claims to be? Because I can't help but think in like the previous episode, remember she she gave that, or I could think it was a previous episode, she gave that speech about how, uh, well, it was that speech welcoming them to the company, blah, 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 blah. You have any questions? And then she ignores them. I'm going to give a hearty pass. I do not <laughs> think she does, especially given our um, deleted scene. She's just being nice. She's just being Southern, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. As a Southerner, I can say that. Mm-hmm. Out of context, that, that deleted scene helped a lot because I was really surprised that she said that they were the most lovely people, whatever. Um, but then given that deleted scene, yeah, no. She's just talking to the cameras, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. And there, there's even that moment when Aaron leaves and Andy comes in. He's, she's like, yeah, I, I just sent that receptionist home. It's that receptionist, not Aaron. Like, right. Clearly, I mean, she's been here, I would guess, at least a week or two, maybe longer. And if she doesn't know that receptionist's name, the first person she sees when she walks in the room, then she just doesn't care as much about these people as she claims to. Now, that doesn't mean she's not a nice person, but she, she's just not as invested as she maybe claims to be. And that's the thing is that she would know, I mean, she would probably have more contact with Aaron than she would almost anyone else in the office besides Michael, mm-hmm. given that she is the receptionist. So, mm-hmm. yeah, probably probably not a good indicator that she cares a whole lot about them all right our next episode today is new leads aired on march 18th 2010 directed and written by brent forrester 
It's been a few weeks and the pro sales staff changes implemented by Sabre have taken effect, much to the chagrin of the non-sales staff, who've grown tired of the salesmen acting like they own the place. When expensive leads on the new clients arrive, instead of passing them out to the sales staff, Michael distributes them to everyone else, leading to the salesmen having to find ways to reclaim their leads, hopefully making amends along the way. So the sales team is really, really, really out of control this episode. Saber hugely favors the sales team. In fact, Joe made it clear, or was it Gabe? Gabe, it was, made it clear that, yeah, Michael is in charge of supporting the sales team. Sales is king, as Dwight says. Mm -hmm. Here we see Dwight rude to Michael. He was supposed to apologize, didn't, was rude again. Dwight compares himself to Jesus. Angela emailed Phyllis and refused, and Phyllis refused to come to her desk. Phyllis calls Michael numbnuts. Jim won't take compliments. Andy gets into like a physical tussle with Daryl. I mean, everyone is just in their worst. state right now it's like you never tell a toddler no and they become a maniac it's that's kind of what's happened right i mean and we knew we've known for a few episodes that saber had heavy incentives for the sales staff but this is our first time really seeing it take effect it's more than anybody really expected and they've gotten like their own saber duffel bags and jackets and other various merch or swag um (laughs) and now they're waiting on these leads that cost Saber a lot of money. And as I said in the summary, the sales staff are acting like they own the place. Like, it's their place to boss people around, to shirk duties that they don't find worth their time. And nobody's a fan. Michael's especially not a fan. And I mean, all the things you mentioned, everyone's upset with the sales staff. So when those leads arrive, Michael first declines to pass them out. But then when Gabe says, you have to pass them out, he says, I will do exactly that. Exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs> and so he he promised he he passes them out to everyone but the sales staff and leads it to leaves it to their discretion to uh, decide how and when those sales staff will get their leads back. I get what he's doing. Teamwork makes the dream work and all that stuff. Maybe don't use these. How much did he spend? Ten thousand dollars. I think it was fifty thousand. Fifty thousand dollars on these yeah. leads. Don't use this opportunity to make your team stronger, especially when we lose leads, as we will get into later. So Daryl is the one that convinces Michael that he needs to do something about the sales staff. Yeah. And as you said, he gives them out to not the sales staff. It doesn't go well. The salesmen are still very, very cocky. Um, Dwight starts choking Kevin when Kevin won't get into the leads. And the most catastrophic of the events that happens with these leads and the big plot point here is that kevin has dwight's leads so kevin hid quote unquote dwight's leads in the trash can well it's trash day so the trash has been taken to the dumpster and the dumpster has been put on the truck i mean it's at the dump so now dwight and michael go to the dump and dig through and try to find these leads in a absolutely massive i mean acres of trash um they're not gonna Mm -hmm. find it and they don't but some definite drama and uh kind of friendship questioning comes into play here as well i wouldn't say it comes out of nowhere because i think we have seen a a little bit of tension built into the michael and dwight relationship these past this past season or so 
Uh, well, I guess really since Michael Scott Paper Company, honestly. But they, they do confront each other at the dump. They each claim that the others sort of held the other back. Um, they make a couple mean jokes about each other. They, quote, fight until it gets to the point where Michael accidentally dumps a whole bunch of gross stuff all over himself. And then they, they sort of chill out. And they are once again friends by the end of the episode. They brought back a probably disgusting beanbag chair for the break room and uh, another chair, I think. And they're, they're hooping and hollering like they were best of friends, best of buddies again. And, you know, I, I don't think much has to be looked into it beyond that, because, you know, sometimes you just sort of need to voice your opinion. Sometimes you need to have that that butting of heads in order to make amends. And it worked for them. So I, I'm glad that by the end of the episode, they seem to be better than ever, really. The sales staff, with the exception of Dwight, because he's at the dump at this time, meet and decide that they've got to do something to kind of make amends and make right. And they decide that the best thing to do at this time would be to offer the other employees a percentage of their commission, since they get a ton of commission. So they agree to 2% of their commission (laughs) to be given away, which seems just microscopic. Um, They invite the others into the conference room where they've made a spread of cookies and coffee and stuff. And as they begin to explain to the others that they'll share their commission, Oscar misunderstands. He says, way to go, guys. That was an integrity move. They haven't gotten to the point where they actually offer the commissions. So they get away kind of scot-free with their simple (laughs) offer of cookies. Um, They don't need to give away their money. I like that Stanley walks in after the others and he starts to make a comment about how you guys ought to be happy with that 2%. And then Jim interrupts milk that we forgot for the coffee and phyllis Mm -hmm. says our treats stanley they've accepted our simple offer of treats nothing more (laughs) just like that's it and he it takes him a second to like realize he smiles oh this is nice all of us back (laughs) together again (laughs) i'm glad that it's resolved by the end of the episode this is the kind of story uh, again I'll, i'll confess to not really loving this episode just because it's just like the sales staff is real obnoxious and it's hard to like any of them. Uh, As you mentioned, Phyllis has that whole numb nuts quote to Michael of all people. It's just like, come on guys, be reasonable. He's still your boss. No matter what you think, no matter what Sabre prioritizes, he's your boss. And you guys are taking this just a little bit too far, more than a little bit too far in some cases. Um, So I'm glad it's resolved by the end. I'm glad it's not an ongoing thing. And there Uh, really isn't a big B plot line here. No. Kind of it. I did want to mention that at the very end of the episode, Andy and Aaron are for some reason at the dump. They decide to go for some reason. Um I think maybe the deleted scene sort of explains why they're there. A little bit. Or at least their motivation for going. Yeah, you're right. Out of context it's a little weird. But um Mm -hmm. so he's cold. She offers him her sweater, (laughs) which is nice. They've yeah, they've taken A little untraditional route to get here, so why not? Um, And then they have a really sweet moment, again, at the dump. Um, (laughs) He says, you're the nicest person I've ever met. And you can say a lot about Erin, but she's very nice. Mm -hmm. She's very sweet. Um, And so they finally have their first real kiss in the dump. In the dump. Why not? In the dump. (laughs) Hope grows in a dump. In a dump. (laughs) Well, I guess I go ahead and we we can go ahead and get into the funny stuff for this one. We've got the cold open. Um, Michael calls Jim into his office wanting to show a photo that he took in his condo complex. And he says, hey, 
You know who this is? That's Johnny Depp. He shows us a picture of somebody that is very clearly not Johnny Depp. But according to Michael, it's Johnny Depp. And he, he says, hey, Jim, remember my idea for a fourth Pirates movie? And Jim just says, yeah, that they should do one. <laughs> um, he, he does a really bad Jack Sparrow imitation, like really bad, like worse than his Irish accent at the beginning of the last episode. Just really just bad. And it's so bad that Jim even makes fun of it. He says, is it, who is that, John Dillinger? And Michael said, no, Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Crunch? No, I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. And eventually Michael says, okay, it's not easy getting excited about things. Remember that time you thought you saw Roger Clemens? Jim says, at the Yankees game, (laughs) baseball player. And Michael says, yeah, well, it wasn't him. Jim says, I I, I had a little better reason to believe that. You're right. He tries to let it go for a second. And he says, no, I can't let this go. It's not Johnny Depp. It, there's Johnny Depp, seriously? And Michael says, okay, yes, I know. It's not Johnny Depp. You're probably right. That explains why his mailbox said M. Shulman. And Jim speaks up and says, M. Night Shulman? And, I mean, I don't really know what to take from the end of that. It, 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 they're just sort of getting in each other's heads, I think. Because if you look at the picture, it's not M. Night Shyamalan either. But <laughs> At all. No. I think Dwight was just messing. Dwight, Jim. Wow, okay. Jim. I think Jim was just messing with him. I, I think that's fair. I played Michael's reaction to Jim saying that like four times because it was such a brilliant, you could see every thought. He, he went through like four different phases in like two seconds. I was like, wait, what? Huh? Eh, what? And it was just really well done, but it was funny. Yeah. Great little one-liner here. When everyone's leaving the pointless conference room meeting that they held at the beginning of the episode. And when I say everyone, I mean just the sales staff, because they're not talking about leads, so why would they be there? Michael says, I would like your undivided attention, please. And Dwight just snaps his face towards Michael and says, you couldn't handle my undivided attention. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is probably true. Probably. There's also a small one-liner at the very beginning of that conference room scene where Michael announces that the lost and found box itself (laughs) has gone missing. (laughs) It's just a funny little joke in and of itself. Michael also has a talking head where he says, Saber says it is our duty to support the sales team and the salesmen are letting it go to their heads. I think it's kind of screwed up because the way this place used to work was make friends first, make sales second, make love third in no particular order. (laughs) You just gave him an order, bud. (laughs) (laughs) This line in and of itself is not funny, but given the context of previous times, this is funny. Angela says, oh, how the tables have turned. Mm. And I can't, I have quoted, oh, how the turntables so often that that's my first thought. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I misquote the quote. So it's just funny to hear the correct version of this at the office. (laughs) Yeah, I actually quoted that line today to somebody. (laughs) So, yeah, that one definitely went through my head when she said it as well. (laughs) Like, hey, she knows Uh, how to say it. Like, when I think of that quote, I don't say how the tables have turned. I say Mm -hmm. how the turntables. How the (laughs) turntables. I can't unthink it, no. When Michael is voicing his complaints against all the sales staff, he goes sort of one by one. He goes to, he gets to Stanley. He says, I am sick of your uppity attitude. And he sees how Stanley's sort of reacting in the moment. And he turns back, Jim. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm not going to say stuff like that to Stanley to his face. Stanley can take me. Just a couple of places and clues that Michael put for the leads. The pasta sauce jar was one. The clue read, now that's Italian. 
there was a lead placed under the street lamp that he thinks looks like the one from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. The clue read, when arrogant salesmen are mean to my face, a certain manager will go to his moppy place. Mm-hmm. Um, probably my personal <laughs> favorite. Um, it was hidden under the first president, you know, Lincoln. <laughs> and um, with Kevin, he, he hinted to Dwight, it's the man who never breathes. I always thought he said breathes. As in to to like to breathe, um, and that's so much better and meaner that he mm-hmm. doesn't breathe. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't breathe, and I I love that it's Dwight's first thought too. Like never breathes, Kevin, and Kevin. Michael's like, damn it, <laughs> no, you're not supposed to figure <laughs> it out that difficult. quickly. <laughs> but my favorite part about the the Lincoln one is Jim says first president, and he slaps the side of the Lincoln, and Dwight's just like, oh, of course, <laughs> like oh, Michael, <laughs> come on, and he just like gives it a sigh. Um, when talking to Gabe, Gabe is telling Michael, you have to pass out the leads. And Michael says, then we are just rewarding their bad behavior. Okay, just imagine that instead of going to jail for murdering someone, you got an ice cream cone. If that were the case, then in the summertime, everyone would go around killing people for the pleasure of an ice cream cone. It's like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I still think people would have some opposition to killing person just for a brief dairy treat. but. <laughs> If you want to make that comparison to passing out $50,000 leads to your employees, like it's your job, then sure. Go right ahead. Stanley plants himself right in the middle of a Kelly and Ryan fight because when he agrees with one of them, they give him a lead. It's every time, oh, right, Kelly, you're right. She gives him a lead. and It's just perfectly planted. Perfectly. Uh <laughs> Michael is handing out the leads now to the non-sales staff. And he says, I'm handing them out to King Creed and King Meredith and King Angela, because today we are all kings and queens. And he gestures to Oscar. And what makes that even funnier is that he just called two women kings. But Oscar is gay. He's a homosexual. So he is a queen. (laughs) Aaron. Innocent, sweet Aaron hid the leads from Andy. She plays the warmer, colder game to help him find them. He's getting closer and closer to her, very close to her chest. Um, His hands are out in like a (laughs) kind of a predatory (laughs) Mm -hmm. stance. Um, And she's saying warmer, warmer, and she's leading him like right to the chest area. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of freaking he's like wait really like don't make me do this please i'm sorry (laughs) and um they are under her keyboard which is located basically at chest height (laughs) yeah yeah it's he's like the right intentions he's like in the blind guy mcsqueezy yeah pose from michael (laughs) michael is explaining to jim a father needs to respect his boss and the kids don't respect the father that doesn't respect the boss do you understand that line of logic Jim says, I don't think you even understand it. <laughs> Michael says, I do understand it. <laughs> um, Dwight asks Kevin, or rather strangles the answer out of Kevin, where the leads are. Kevin tells him that they're in the trash. Dwight says, well, that's code. In the trash. Meredith, take off your dress. And she just oh, says, no. okie dokie. 
that's two really mean things that happen in a row because that's right after the the yeah. man who never breeds and now the trash yeah. and he no yep. too cruel uh and right after that he goes to the trash can and he opens it and licks the bag clean bag like could you not just tell that there was nothing in there and that it was still translucent so there's nothing on it okay go taste trash bags and for some reason it's worse he says clean sack and oh yeah sack expensive. that's right yeah <laughs> clean sack and he like looks at the camera too um it's like oh <laughs> uh, out down in the parking lot as they're Michael's trying to convince people to go with him to the dump to get these leads that have been thrown away and uh, taken to the dump. He says, okay, no, you encouraged it. You were complicit. And he looks to Jim like, did I, did I use that word right? And <laughs> he did actually use that word correctly, complicit. But then he follows up with, you were all successories. <laughs> he ruins it. He uses a really good word and then he, he, he screws it up. <laughs> when they're at the dump... The first thing Dwight says, he takes a good look around. He says, this place has gone to hell. <laughs> I mean, it's a dumb. It was always in hell. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's never been good. Michael is talking to Dwight about money because apparently the sales staff is all about getting their money, getting their $100,000 a year commission because that's a possibility for at least Dwight. Michael says, since when do you care about money? When I first met you, you were wide-eyed innocent. Dwight says, hey, there is nothing I can do about my wide-set eyes. <laughs> Michael did not intend it as an insult. He, it was just a poor, poor choice of words. I love this moment when Dwight and Michael are fighting at the dump, throwing absolute garbage. No, literally garbage at each other. Michael does that thing that kids do when they're fighting and they can't find the next thing. So like, oh, wait, time out. Stop. Time out. Time out. Time out. Until he finds something big enough to throw. <laughs> and then, okay, time in. <laughs> yeah, a- as um, he's throwing it, time in. As he's, th- okay, time in. And then, of course, Dwight rolling a giant spool, like an industrial cable spool mm-hmm. towards Michael um, <laughs> in super slow motion because it's got away mm-hmm. a ton. Just the whole fighting scene is just very comical. It, it's very comical. <laughs> um, before they leave for the dump, Michael. They, they go to the dumpster because that's where Aaron emptied the trash can to the dumpster. And he, Michael says, the dumpster is empty. What day is it? Kevin says, today is Ghost Whisperer. So Friday. <laughs> I, I'm glad that, that Kevin enjoys the Ghost Whisperer. I think it was probably just to look at Jennifer Love Hewitt. But uh, I'll just pretend he enjoys the, the drama. And maybe the last one for me would just be the sweet and kind of annoying. I'm never a fan of this, but at the time. Right after Aaron and Andy kiss, we get a little tiny do-do-do-do-do. No, do Just when words can't say it, that can. It's sort of the second rid it did to do we've had in as many episodes because in the previous episode, when Dwight was playing Cats in the Cradle, Dwight plays it and the gym eventually shuts it off, but then Andy restarts it and goes rid it did did di, give me or well, not that's wrong song but he does that <laughs> i i sure went straight into give me the beat boys free my soul yeah but still yeah he does he does the same but, thing you know. in the previous episode yeah uh my last moment uh aaron emptied the trash can in the first place because it had toby's baba ganoush in it and the camera goes over to him and toby says if we don't patronize the only syrian restaurant in town there will be nothing left but pan pizzas and and make your own salads <laughs> 
<laughs> sure. And he gives I mean, the most like confusing look to the camera. Like he just kind of like winces at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I wonder if he actually likes Baba Ganoush or if he's truly only eating it to patronize the restaurant so it doesn't close down. I don't know. I think they just picked this, the funniest sounding food that they could find. Yeah, Baba Ganoush. Like Baba Ganoush. <laughs> it is fun to say, I will admit. It is a fun, yeah. <laughs> uh, so deleted scenes. We have a deleted scene with Michael in the conference room. He's asking the sales staff to let their clients know that due to freezing rain in the forecast, deliveries might be delayed. They assume that Daryl will handle it because he's in charge of deliveries. Daryl says, no, either your clients, sales staff, it's on you. And then there's a talking head with Stanley and Phyllis. The sales business is the whole business, they say. Things are finally being done right after Stanley's 31 years with the company. So they mm-hmm. are sitting back and chilling and enjoying not doing a whole lot and getting a lot of money for it. Yeah, that's something we didn't know, I don't think. Stanley's been there for 31 years, so he's been with Dunder Mifflin yeah. for a while. And also wanted to mention that Michael got his weather forecast from BikiniWeatherGirls.com. The most reliable. Verified news source. (laughs) Dwight has a talking head about how, you know, I don't have to bother with paperwork anymore. It's so great. I can make more than $100,000 this year. And so that means that Mose and I can finally get that pool that we've been dreaming about to to drown pigs in humanely and cross train. (laughs) So they're going to cross train in the same pool that they kill pigs. As one does. You don't. Andy approaches Creed for the leads. I love this. Creed asks for $10,000 in unmarked bills. If you tell anyone, I kill everyone. Andy (laughs) says that he'll give him something worth 10 times that. Mm -hmm. 30 voice or tap lessons, plus a two-day intensive in stage combat. Mm. Creed then instead just says $500. I don't know if that's a question or a statement. Andy refuses. He says, give me your hairpiece then. Andy has real hair, so he can't do that. (laughs) Creed says that Andy's got to give him something. So Andy kind of thinks for a second, pulls out a pocket square. Creed takes it. They agree. There it is. Creed hands over the leaves. (laughs) The leads, yeah. So he went from $10,000 in unmarked bills to a pocket square. It reminds me of an, I say upcoming episode. I can't remember what season it's in. Well, I guess it's season seven. I know exactly what you're going for. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see if we can remember that. Um, a trading situation. Right. <laughs> Angela complained this, like another strike against Phyllis for this deleted scene. Angela approaches her and says, you, you signed this expense report, but you didn't fill it out. Phyllis says, you know, I was busy. Angela says, we're all busy. Like, who cares? We all have duties. We all have responsibilities. Andy then speaks up and tries to make a metaphor about sharks not getting oxygen if they just sit still in the water. Just like, you know, we as sales staff can't make sales if we sit still or whatever. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, It makes sense to him. Uh, But it ends with Phyllis saying to Angela, you're the one with a degree in counting. Figure it out. Just like, goodness gracious, Phyllis, what is wrong with you? This is the person who at the beginning of the series just wanted to be friends with everybody. Remember conflict resolution? She just wanted to be friends. And it was devastating to her that everybody was fighting with each other. Oh, how she's changed. Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> Andy and Aaron discuss the leads. Andy greets Aaron in Spanish. He says, hola. She doesn't understand. She says, what? <laughs> then Andy uh, says that a lot of the other salesmen have already closed a lot of their new leads, but Andy's are still thinking about it. 
Aaron says that she wishes she had more to give him. Then they have another exchange. He says, shoot. Aaron says, darn. Andy says, phooey. Aaron says, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, and we'll see more and more of this with Aaron, that there's just kind of a lapse in. Yeah. Something. A lot of, <laughs> like, yeah, it's hard to describe exactly, but there's just a lapse <laughs> There's an extended scene where the sales staff is meeting together in the break room. And Stanley says, Jim, why do you always have to be that person? The one who sees things from everybody else's perspective, walking in other people's shoes. And he says, yeah, Tuna, wear your own shoes, okay? <laughs> and Stanley says, I-, I used to say, never bend with my wife. Until one day, I started tasting something coppery in my dinner. And they said, do you-, you think your wife was poisoning you? He says, I'm not going to say that. But it started going away when I started being sweet. <laughs> I think he was being poisoned. Mm, apparently, Jim <laughs> just makes like an "Oh my god" voice, like <laughs> lips to the to the camera. Uh, but the the final part of that that extended scene is Phyllis, who says, "You know, I swear that somebody is taking Rose out of my knitting. I I should have been done with that scarf by now." And he <laughs> says, "Wow, this just got real. We have to do something. You should be done with that scarf." And Jim just looks at the camera and says. Yeah progress <laughs> they're, they're, they're wanting to do something now i guess <laughs> uh, i believe that was it for the deleted scenes yeah yeah what about uh discussion yeah. topic so in the big brawl at the dump michael and dwight each say that the other has changed have they hmm have they changed i think i think they have changed but i think their conflict here maybe come from came from not changing towards each other as they changed around that relationship. Does that sort of make sense? Like Michael has obviously matured in his relationship with women, uh, thanks to Holly in large part. And he, he is more gracious and he is more of a gentleman to women. I'm not saying he's hundred percent there, but he's improved. And I would say he's definitely made strides in his interactions with his coworkers too. Uh, again, not 100% there, but he, he's made efforts. And Dwight, I, I don't know if he's made strides, but he has changed. What with the whole conflict with Andy and Angela and his loneliness that he's talked about recently. And with all that going around outside of that, they have not addressed their relationship with each other, which has always been sort of a mentor-student relationship in certain aspects, but also a genuine friendship in other aspects. And I just don't think that they've allowed that to adjust along with everything else. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, I think I get it. Like they've, they've each individually changed, but they haven't changed in their friendship mm-hmm. as they should have. Mm-hmm. Like, like they haven't given each other the chance to grow. Yeah. Like if, if you've changed as a person, but you don't grow in your, relationships mm-hmm. they're gonna get stuck um which is a little bit deeper than i thought we might go but i like that yeah it's um i yeah they've changed they've grown but like they should still be able to be friends mm-hmm. um, yeah they absolutely should and so hopefully yeah so hopefully seeing how this episode ended we will see a friendship continue i hope Well, with that, that is the end of the official 64th episode of An American Workplace. Thanks for listening. You can contact us at facebook.com slash workplacepod and at workplacepod on Twitter. 
please continue to go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating or a review, hit that subscribe button. We'd certainly appreciate it, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Email any other feedback and ideas you may have to workplacepod at gmail.com. If you want to find me on social media, you absolutely can. I'd love to have you as a friend. KTLady623 on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Katie.White. And the best place to find me is at Chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. And there's my other podcast, Cinescope, where, which you can find where podcasts can be found and at TheCinescopePodcast.com. And show notes and contact information for this show can be found at WorkplacePodcast.com. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is most worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplace pod. And that is all for this week. Thank you all for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 64 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 65 for our discussion on the next two episodes of season six, Happy Hour and Secretary's Day. Bye. Bye. When when expensive leads on the uh, they no I don't have anything okay. <laughs>